a bunch of witty bitches. Hey, Papa. Hey, I have a quip. You have a quip. We'll put that for a It's just cadals. Better pepper. Better pepper. Better pepper. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 113 of Witty Banter. I am your host, as always, Mr. Max. To my left, a man who obviously has not shaved since he partied so hard this weekend, <laughs> Hunter Dorsett. Never. Never? You never let a good shave go shaved It's a reminder when of the you fun. party hard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. You heard it from him. Make that inspirational quote. Put it on a poster in your wall. Then out there in California, a man who obviously also has not shaved, shaven since this past weekend, Chase Williams. And I've reached that threshold where it's like, wow, I really fucked up. I should have shaved because now at this point, the shaving is going to be so uncomfortable and so miserable that I'm going to regret every bit of it. Oh, yeah. It's an actual, like, it's a pain. Like, it's actually, you yeah, can it feel hurts. the shave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it hurts. It's not a good thing. Yeah, fucking feeling it right now. Well, I do the two-tiered shave where I have the electric... Well, that takes off the large portion to a small degree, and then I could just razor that the rest of it off. You, oh, you do two rounds of shaving? I just always do clean razor. That's really smart. Because, like, it tugs if you don't. Yeah. yeah like, you end up getting the cuts that way. That's, that's very adult of you. <laughs> You've really grown up in the years, Hunter. I'm just trying not to hurt myself. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You're really taking care of yourselves. Uh, how have we been, guys? Have we been taking care of ourselves in general over this past week? Yeah, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm doing Everybody's okay. Cool. Everybody's been relaxing. We just got back from a very stacked, fun weekend where the whole where all the boys got together, flew boys in from all down. the corners of Texas, and then also one corner of uh, the United States. Yeah, everybody flown in for one spot, one last hurrah. It was pretty cool. I had a lot of fun this weekend watching Evo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hunter, how'd you how'd you enjoy it all? So my perspective was a little different, right? Yeah, skewed. I wasn't uh, akin to the terminology thrown around left and right, forward and backward. I didn't know any of it. Even in times where Chase was like trying to extend a hand of helpfulness yeah. and be like, you see, when that happens, that means that midair jump, they're canceling into it this. And I'm like, I literally don't even know what you're referring to at this point because <laughs> I just don't know. Like, I'm, I, I think it's crazy because like, I guess the chain of consciousness of time as you're watching, when you know what you're watching, you can be like, oh, they did that. Oh, they did that. Oh, they did that. Yeah, but then when, you're, when you don't know any of that stuff and somebody's referring to what they did, it could be literally any one of the things in the past two minutes that that person's referring to. And you're like, okay. Yeah, especially in a convoluted game like Guilty Gear, where by the time they're done explaining to you what just happened, four other things just happened. Yeah. And you had to go back and make sure you're paying attention to those. But it was well. fun. Like, I found myself having a good time watching uh, even just like the top eight of some of the not as uh, higher up games and just some of the pools of like Street Fighter and Guilty Gear. And um, I played a little bit of Tekken. I had a good time with Tekken. Oh, yeah. Out of every game that you you dabbled with, was Tekken your favorite? Yeah, I really, I didn't get to play with Guilty Gear. Um, but Tekken was fun just because it was, it was somewhat like something I was used to. Like I have yeah. played Tekken in the past and it was fun. Yeah, Tekken is a game, like I've always said, that's like probably the easiest to just pick up and feel good playing. Because yeah. the moves... Feels so good, and mm -hmm. even as you get better, they just feel better too. But but yeah, it was a good time, and I I'm gonna say this, and I think Max will disagree just because he's a hard 
nosed, stubborn ass. Fighting games. Yes. But I think I reasserted my claim on Nidhogg. Oh. Not against Andrew, but everybody else got it. Because Andrew was fucking dipping out of all the contests. Yeah, Andrew dude. was making sure to not put his title up for grabs anywhere. Not that he has a title <laughs> in Guilty Gear anywhere, but he was making sure to not be threatened at any point. Because I will, I'll be a man, and I will state that for the weekend, I was not on my game, and you got some clutch rounds on me for sure. Yeah, totally. For Nidhogg? Yeah, for Nidhogg. Yeah, I mean, I won like 10. <laughs> and you won like two I or mean, three. Whoa, let's not <laughs> skew the numbers here. This is unskewed. I'm sure we were off by one or two games. Dude, oh my lord. This is how he does it. This when is how Max we, claws yeah, into the consciousness. Just, no, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Dude. I dominated. I had like ten, uh, like a 10 or 12 win streak. 10 or 12 win streak? Oh, now it's just getting I remember it being called out by Chase. He's I don't remember that say. at all, you know? <laughs> don't worry. This, Who knows? So much this stuff happened this best. weekend. <laughs> Were there any, like, like throwdown, actual, we're going to compete in this set or something from any of y'all? Or Oh, yeah, and I lost all of them. So. Was that on Sunday? Um. Well, no, I think, well, there were two, right? There was, like, the warm-up I mean, set. Oh, yeah, Chase, if you just want to take it away. Well, I was, I was going to say, <laughs> I, you know, if you want to go ahead and get into it, Max, I feel like there's a pretty big plate of crow that needs to be finished by the end of this episode. So if you want to start eating, yeah, is, yeah. Um, I'm happy to do it now. I need to start stuffing at this moment. <laughs> uh, I've got beaks in my mouth. I'm coughing up black feathers right now. But no, I mean, like when we first got there, we sat down, Max and I, we played 10 games of Guilty Gear, which that was the plan to do a first of 10. And mm-hmm. 10 games went by pretty quick. And I just looked over at Max and said, that's 10, <laughs> you know, and it was 10 to 0. And we played what? We played the next. Uh, we played Sunday, and we did our first. And then we did a first to ten on. Or we did. We played on Saturday. We did a first to ten on Sunday. And on Sunday, it was ten to one instead of ten to zero. Hey man, and progression. It was progression. Nowhere to go but. But <laughs> I was. But I was talking to my friend who I've been playing Guilty Gear with. And I told him like the results. You know, I think we probably played must have like maybe seventy games or so. Yeah. Would you say? Probably yeah. And I kept track. You beat me six times, but I got three perfects on you as well. And mm-hmm. I told my friend that, and he was like, you know what? I'm not surprised. He's like, you probably just didn't understand like how good you were getting because you were so freaked out. But I got to tell you, man, it was incredibly refreshing to see that kind of like hard work pay off. And yeah, yeah. I, I thought I was going to take like a week off or something and not play games for a bit, but I still just want to keep playing and keep practicing, you know? You got to keep that lead, that momentum, too, because all you just got me coming after you for sure. Because mm-hmm. let me tell you, it does stink to lose. All right. Nobody likes to lose. Losing sucks. But and that's that being all said, we do against you, by the way. Well, <laughs> but that being said, all it's done is made me super feverish to try to fucking learn how to play this game and just take that title from you. Yeah. But what about I think it was games? very y'all played a shit ton of Guilty Gear and you and Andrew played a shit ton of Tekken. Yeah. I didn't see anyone playing Street Fighter. I didn't see anyone really for more than like 30 minutes playing Injustice. Yeah, Injustice was not the the hot game to be playing. Did y'all moment. play any Street Fighter? I mean, like considering that that was like the Evo Grand Final thing, true, I thought yeah. that y'all would be a little bit more like I this is my throne. We've all did this was there not a uh, a sort of resolved mountaintop person for Street Fighter? Um, I will say 
that unless Chase can think of anybody differently, that that was me this weekend. Because the time that we played it was on Sunday, where I think somebody just kind of slipped it in. <laughs> and uh, I started making some jokes, so I was going to start maining Ed, one of the newer characters. And mm-hmm. I, just, I started actually having a lot of fun playing him. <laughs> and then people just started to kind of line up to see if they could beat my Ed. And uh, I think I held a pretty good streak for a while. Uh, yeah, but Max, yeah, Max definitely held the Street Fighter um, title. I played Israel to a first of 10, and he beat me 10 to 8, and that was a fucking awesome set. That was set. awesome yeah. to watch out of my side eye. I remember watching that. <laughs> yeah. It was very cool. That was fun. But yeah, man, that, that was a great weekend. I hope I've got you all turned on to uh, the rooftop pool life now, because goddamn, I know I was loving it. Yeah, I'm still loving it on my face and on my forearms for the most part, because <laughs> these burns are thick. <laughs> but they're evening out into a very nice golden tan. But yeah, it was a very fun weekend. Uh, Evo was cool. Evo was hype as shit. If you're not into uh, normally watching video games, you should definitely start watching uh, with the Evolution Tournament that just passed. Because even if you're not too familiar with fighting games, you'll probably have a lot of fun watching some of the hype matches because there was quite a few. Both Tekken, oh, yeah. Guilty Gear, and especially the top eight for Street Fighter V. Uh, if you ever get a chance, you should definitely go check those out. And I'm not sure. Did you ever research any numbers or anything about how if they did better than they did last year, as far as like viewership or anything? No, I didn't check. But yeah. you know, had over like 140,000 people watching live on just the one channel that I was on. So yeah, so it's yeah. got to be pretty sure they did well. Pretty well, right? Uh, but enough about us. Let's talk about us and our choices in beers. Okay. So let's go ahead and swing on over to what we're drinking today, as far as brujas go. Okay. Um, I am bringing the Dream Crusher Double Rye IPA out of Deep Ellum Brewing, which I believe is out of Dallas. We um, had that one, didn't we? Did we? The Dream Crusher? I have never we, seen that I think we before. did that at the ver- like towards the very beginning of the show. Sounds very familiar. It's very I'm familiar. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. very familiar. Um, I wasn't sure if we had done it, but... It's 9.5% alcohol by volume. Um, on the top of the can, it says, not for the faint of hops, a quantum leap beyond the IPA. So, yeah, just got a big old fat double IPA <laughs> going down the gullet today. <laughs> what about you guys? Well, I'm sticking to uh, my, my theme that I've been doing here. So. Month gonna find the best shiner beer and today i'm gonna be trying out shiner's homespun cream ale that sounds okay <laughs> yeah, well, well that sounds like <laughs> I've, i know i've already sold you because cream ale kind of rubs me the wrong way but really i'm usually a pretty big fan of cream ales like a uh, like boddington's i believe is a creamy ale okay some uh it's kind of nice the idea is that it's you know a very drinkable beer but with a uh, a smoother creamier finish you know yeah. like a mouthfeel yeah you know not like an ipa probably the other side of the spectrum Cro- oh, yeah, but uh yes yeah, so i've cracked this one open and i'm gonna see how shiner does with their cream ale see if this tastes any different than any other shiner beer i've ever had probably not let's see <laughs> i so i tried i tried the uh the coffee one yeah i i like officially don't like it you just <laughs> I am not a fan Disapproved. of it. Like I like Shiner Bach, right? So yeah, if, it, if it was as close to Shiner Bach as as you were saying it was, I would have liked it. But I was like, this there is, was something that really stood not out good. to it that you just didn't like. Yeah, it was like coffee, but like crap. Oh, coffee and crap, never a good <laughs> <Yeah>. mixture. <laughs> Sorry to put you on blast, Shiner. What you got, Chase? Uh, I'm pretty positive we've also already done this beer as well. But I've got the arrogant bastard ale. I got yeah, a yeah, that's what y'all did. 
yeah, I got a big old bomber of this, 7.2%. Um, pretty sure it's like a Mertzen or something. Or no, that's the Rogue. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what kind of ale it is. Uh, it's got a really long description that I'm not going to read, but uh, I'm enjoying it now. As, but I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit more a little bit later. Yeah, of course. We're going to try him out, let him sit. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into some segments here. This is Witty Banter. The honk. You gotta add the some honk sort at the of end. yeah flair <laughs> to differentiate yourself uh, from the beeps because it can get kind of crowded. Yeah, I appreciate uh, honks too. <laughs> Who doesn't? So, Chase, if you kind of want to kick us off, you said that you read a little bit of a email question that maybe deserved its own spotlight today. Yeah, so I guess we can call this segment the mail topic or something. I don't know. Super creative. This one, Super yes, mail. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we got an email from one of our, a friend of the show, some would say our favorite guest, Max Keller. Mm. Of course. He says, hey team, I've got back into witty banter. I'm digging the new format. I think it was a good change. He says, I have a question slash topic for each of you. So we're going to go around the table here and answer his questions that he's got because they're all a little chewy, all a little juicy, and we're going to dig right in. <laughs> chewy and first one's for First one's for Max. He says, Max, I would love for you to talk about the cochlear implant, specifically how it relates to deaf culture, and if you think anything would change if the, amp- if the implant was a perfect cure, quote-unquote, for deafness. I'm wondering how Chase and Hunter feel towards this mentality. So maybe a little background, Max, if you could, for the audience about what he's talking about specifically and how it relates to deaf culture since yeah. you are a little more embedded than most of us are. Yeah, we actually talked about this a little bit uh, last time me and him met up. The cochlear implant is essentially an implant that you get that goes into your brain directly. Mm-hmm. So you're not necessarily hearing things through your ears traditionally. Okay. You are literally triggering things in your brain the same way they're triggered when you get something through your ear, right? Hmm. Okay. So it's a very invasive surgery. Um, At this moment, it's not necessarily a perfect fix for hearing. In fact, if you were to compare cochlear implant hearing to your standard hearing of Mm -hmm. an average person now, they sound grossly different. Wow. But the idea is that if you implant this into a newborn or a small child very early on, they have something that they can then associate with hearing and the idea is like the noises and stuff that they hear or essentially like get within their brain, uh, they can start associating to things just like we do with anything that we hear, you know, like, like they the sound assimilate of somebody's voice, to you know, okay. even though it's not the same sound, they still hear something and then they associate it and then they just start, they start hearing things like a normal person would. Yeah, basically. So, right. Mm. Um, but what ends up happening is that because it's not necessarily a fantastic, like perfect fix for hearing loss you end up kind of having, this is more commonly done when you have hearing parents who have a deaf child and they are very afraid to like, you know, worried about how they're going to communicate with their kid. Maybe they don't know sign language. Maybe they don't feel, you know, comfortable learning it in a fast enough time to communicate with their kid. So they end up doing this. That way they can communicate in the most comfortable way that they see fit. Um, For the most part within the deaf community, it's generally frowned upon uh, just because it also kind of like, puts sort of this, this surgery that fixes your deafness 
And that ideology in the deaf community is obviously not very liked. You know, you don't want to think that you're lesser than everybody else. You don't want to feel like you are hearing impaired. Like that's a very taboo hmm. word in the deaf community. Uh, but that being said, you well, can also... What would you call it? Yeah, what is it? Being deaf? Or that's what, what you mean? say. It, yeah, you it, just say, yeah, you're deaf. You're not hearing impaired. Hmm. Um, you just say the term deaf, and it's like a cultural thing as well as... Obviously, you're most likely deaf too as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's fairly taboo within the deaf community. Um, it just kind of depends. The problem is, is that most people's issues isn't necessarily that it's like this super invasive surgery. It's that in order for them to work effectively, you need to do it on a newborn or a small child. Hmm. And one, it ends up being either super expensive and there's a lot of complications because the surgery hasn't been mastered yet. And two, it's like you don't get, you know, the consent of the child in theory. So implanting something into your kid's brain for because you think that they're broken in a sense is, again, just a taboo ideology within the deaf community. Can I can I ask you about like that viewpoint specifically? The yeah. thought the thought that if you're doing this is because you think a child is, quote unquote, broken. Can it not also be like, is it not also the case that maybe someone wants to do this because they want to help? You know, like, is, oh, that's is that simple, of course. That's not also like a perfectly like viable motivation that I would like, I know personally, given the choice, if I were to be, if someone asked me, would you rather be deaf or have hearing? I would choose to have more senses. If I could have six or eight senses, I would go for them, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, exactly. So where, so where does like just caring about the child and wanting them to, to have, have more options is yeah. usually, yeah, the ideology. Um, I, like, you know, that's, that's very true, and that ends up being kind of where the crossroads comes about. Because mm. in theory, you would want to have more senses, like you said. It's like, and this is what Max always brings up when we talk, is that Max Kelleher, the person who emailed the question, has a uh, form of colorblindness where he can't see all every color that we can. Right. And he thinks that, like, since, you know, if somebody gave me something that cured my colorblindness, I would easily take it. Right. I, I think there are like some glasses that f that uh, cure like red green color. Yeah, exactly. And we've actually talked about that fairly cool. extensively with him, too, as well. Uh, shout outs to Max Kelleher. Whenever you try those glasses on, I want to be there because I want to see what it's like to see new colors. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when it comes to a cochlear implant, the problem is, is that they aren't they aren't a replacement for hearing. They just aren't. And what you end up doing usually is that you end up segregating a child from hearing community and deaf community. And what then ends up happening is you kind of have your kid in this sort of in-between spot. And when you're in a spot like that, it ends up creating a lot of emotional problems for kids when they're very young. They start to feel really different. And of course, they're going to feel different anyway, right? Because they're deaf. But when you are a deaf child and you don't have a cochlear implant, you're usually sent to a deaf school or you were sent somewhere where you feel a more communal vibe. Hmm. And there's a lot less psychological strain and problems. Um, where it's like, do we send them to a deaf school or not? Send yeah, them to but a then deaf when you school? give them this cochlear implant, you tend to usually keep them in a hearing school. But then they also still tend to struggle because it is, yeah. like I said, not the same thing as hearing. Um, and then, but to kind of address his question, how he said, if you could just use a cochlear implant and it ended up fixing hearing, then yeah. So that's yeah. His his yeah. final question is, if if the implant was a perfect cure for deafness. Would it yeah. change your, your outlook? Uh, honestly, I mean, yes. I mean, I can't see why, like like you said, because that just answers the question, like you said, like I would want to have more senses. And if it was like the perfect sense, then you, 
then as a hearing person, if I lost my hearing now, like, of course I would choose that. Yeah. Because I was raised that way. Um, it might be different if you were raised deaf and maybe you wanted to hear for the first time because that might drastically change your lifestyle from that point forward. But for an infant or a child, you there's so many things in life that are hearing related. While it's like probably 90% to 95% visual, that 5% being able to hear could do you know a lot for your general safety it could do a lot for your general communication with yeah. people around the world it can do a whole bunch so why would you not have that and it's you know like yeah you know, i'm sure i could find a lot of deaf people who might say otherwise but as a hearing person and who like has you know plenty of experience hearing things mm-hmm. um i would say that like of course that would be revolutionary and i don't think they should ever you know stop researching cochlear implants or like stop researching how to uh, you know, like regain hearing loss or like, you know, address that in any way. I think that's always a value because it's different from person to person, you know, like, I mean, there are definitely like, you could convince me why you wanted to give your child a cochlear implant. Like for sure. I'm not going to like tell you that I'm against it or I'm, I am against or I'm not like I wouldn't right. for my kid, but I'm also very biased because I can speak sign language. Yeah. I can sign, <laughs> you know, I can yeah. sign. So my kid's going to be just fine. Right. Right. So it's not an issue for me personally, but it could be an issue for other people for a myriad of reasons. Mm-hmm. But just to say, I wish I had a better answer than just like, yeah, that would be fucking tight. If you know, like, I mean, I think I think your implant. Yeah. I think you answered the question like brilliantly. I mean, I, I think it's really cool that you are able to speak so much to the subject because I, I'm, this is the first time I've ever really heard the question. And I think it's pretty clear that, uh, you're you're pretty embedded into the just the different cultural realities of deaf culture. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I, I think that was that was awesome. Oh, yeah. well, thank you, thank you. I hope that addresses your question, Max. Yeah, and you. All right. One thing, just as a as a little asterisk, mm-hmm. talking about you know whether or not we would go like blind or deaf or like what senses we would give up in order to retain another. I remember talking about how I wouldn't want to give up. Uh, auditory sense because of music and when you think about that if you have a perfect cochlear implant it'd be crazy to think that somebody would turn down the opportunity of like experiencing full-fledged music but but that that's like it's so ingrained in their reality of being deaf that like they're like i don't really see a need you know like yeah like, like, yeah. <laughs> well it's really funny how much like um just artistically we've given so much power to music and like what it means to us and i've talked to plenty of deaf people who are like because there's like a whole side of deaf community that's like hella interested in fucking music yeah because you can still always like feel beats and yeah, things like that like that never goes away right so obviously they're very like in you know a half can be interested but i've met people who are just like i don't fucking get it like i don't see what the appeal is you know what i mean like and they're like i understand like what you're trying to say like i understand like what it would be to me but i just like don't get why people would even like like that it feels like a waste of time because they just like you know they experience art usually visually which is usually not more than a few moments you know it's like you take in something visually you feel it you address that in your own mind and you go on you know it's not Mm -hmm. like let's go to a concert like he was trying to explain like he was trying to ask me about concerts like why would you even go like do you talk to each other while you're there? And I'm like, well, yeah, but then you kind of just like listen to it together. And it's like, I don't fucking get that. Like, it was just very <laughs> funny to hear because it's the, it's the artistic, usually like the artistic like association that you have with it now because hmm. you've been doing music for so long that obviously I'm sure, you know, it, it also sounds amazing too. I can say that as well. Like yeah. there's just certain things that sound really good, but it's completely just associated with what we've already given music artistically. So yeah. I always thought that was funny. Cool beans. Yeah. 
All right, Hunter, let's read Max's question to you next. <laughs> okay. Hunter, do you ever want your Texan soft side cooler back? Uh, yeah, I yeah, I I do. Um, I should I should uh, reach out to Max and hang out and then uh, have a little drop off ski. But then he says, "But really, Hunter, you've been bringing up some great topics lately, especially the new wave of rethinking who we should venerate as a society." With Sam Houston, you hit on the idea: we don't want to live in a society where you are only as good as the worst thing you ever did. So with that, who do you think we should be celebrating as a culture? Would you focus more celebration on scientists or artists? Would you? Who would you name a school after? Hmm. I mean, I don't want to say like one or the other. I mean, I almost feel like both of those things are like the pinnacle of human endeavor. Like, huh. like science is what drives progression in at least a like technological and um sort of just like uh not not only quality of life but like yeah just like the knowing what's unknown right like that's one of the hugest coolest parts of life so people that are like hugely um you know impactful in that realm of course those people like like even even people that are just representative of that realm like neil degrasse tyson like i fucking love that guy that guy should be commemorated right i'm sure he has a bad splotch or two you know, but, um, but again, yeah, like to his point, like you shouldn't be defined by the worst thing that you've done. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that like at the same time, like, you know, I think, I think that the idea of commemorating and, and memorializing and, and holding up people and naming things after people and stuff is really just a sense of respect. And we've gotten to such a day and age now where like, I feel like the bipolarity of everyone like, there's not any sort of consensus anymore on anything. And so, like, if you're going to put something up and say, like, oh, well, like, you know, John Smith number 3000 or whatever is a super badass because he did X, Y, Z and all these other amazing things. And then you're going to have, like, a whole other half of the world that's like, yeah, but that guy's a dickhead because he likes these things and he follows and supports these causes and I fucking hate those things. And, um, so, so yeah, like, I almost feel like it's like impossible to not have controversy in upholding people and like, like raising up something as being above the rest or being great, I guess, in a sense. Um, but, but like, that's kind of just, I think how like people becoming more and more opinionated and aware and, um, having like greater, knowledge about things that are going on around the world and like a deeper knowledge spe about specific things. Uh, I think that's just like almost inevitable. So, I mean, what was, what was like the ultimate staunch of his question? Like how, how would, would I, would, would you focus more on celebrating scientists or artists and who would you name a school after? Mm. And, and so like you mentioned that both should maybe be, exonerated equally yeah. um, but you went you went directly to scientific examples do you have any examples of an artist that you think is on the level of neil degrasse tyson and representing some sort of of, of being a delegate of, of beauty to the to the world you know um yeah i mean i do but it's hard to extrapolate it beyond just the realm of music. I mean, there are people that have done great acts, but then they're not like considered the best musicians. 
Um, and then there's like the reverse of that where there's people who are like good people, but they're like the best fucking artists or something. Um, you know, it's like when you, I would think that if you're going to have like a, like a liberal art school that you would be willing to name something like the Mozart Academy or something. Right. Or like, um, like some sort of longstanding legend musician, like that's fucking awesome. I would love to go to a place that was named like that. Um, but yeah, I guess like with science, when you think about schools specifically, or like a library, you think about the pursuit of knowledge and like science is a formulaic uh, sort of method to try and pursue more knowledge. So I think, I think while you would, I would I probably, think philosophy, give up, I think you could say the same about like philosophy too. Philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and philosophy is like weird because I feel like the bounds of even what philosophy is, I mean, like what would you define philosophy as? Chase? Oh, that's a fucking, that's a really fucking big question. I would say it's the, open pursuit of knowledge by evaluating every argument equally with given rules of logic, I guess, if I could say something off the cuff. Because, like, I feel like with science, it's all about, like, asserting something and then testing to whether it's true or not and then being like, okay, we feel like this is a fact and this is a hypothesis. Whereas, like, with I think you can say the same thing with philosophy. Really? Like, you feel like with yeah, philosophy, yeah. There, are, there are diehard assertions that have been 100% validated? Uh, yeah, like I think, I mean, I think you can do the same thing with science in that you could probably come up with some reason why an assertion isn't the case. Like there are philosophical theories about, like you can't disprove that there's not a demon in your body right now controlling every bit of your thoughts and actions, right? Like that's technically plausible, right? But it's like, okay, great. Just like a scientist could put out a hypothesis that's totally outlandish could never be tested and say, well, if you can't disprove it, then there's that, which is like a very lazy and sloppy way to like have a pursuit of knowledge. But what you just like, what you said just a second ago, you like in philosophy, you make a claim, you Mm -hmm. assert something, you assort, you assert some sort of axiom, whether it's like moral truth or an epistemo, epistemo, oh my God, some sort of, uh, (laughs) epistemological uh, claim of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are all types of people who have different arguments against whether or not what you said is valid, and they'll bring in all sorts of situations and hypotheticals and theories as to why maybe it is or is not the case, right? Right. And yeah, I mean, like, I guess almost, I think the things that are easier are things that are held up by culture that I would think we need to make sure that we don't, put those things on a pedestal like one thing is like i think that we just glorify the shit out of sports and i don't think that unless a person's like done things outside of his like i don't mind like awards being named like the walter payton award or something like that's cool but you know like when you have if you're gonna like name a school like walter payton elementary like because this guy ran you know ten thousand yards in football like I think that's kind of fucking dumb. Like we shouldn't be naming schools after football players or, or science academies or after, you know, politicians or whatever. And, um, I guess like at at the end of the day, it, again, it's all going to be, um, whether or not there's enough of a consensus with the people that are erecting it, uh, whatever it is that's memorializing somebody. Well, Um, Well, hold on. You just said, you just talked about how like, 
the popular opinion of a specific culture shouldn't be what holds something up on a pedestal. But now you're saying that as long as there's a consensus around what's being erected, then it's fine. Like, is, well, I is guess, I guess of- when I like use the sports analogy, I, that's just a personal little aside that like, like I think that that's an example of something that has society holds like incredibly dearly and like to a degree that's like not, what it should be. Like, I, I think the amount of money and politics that goes into all that crap is kind of retarded. Uh, like at, at least as far as it's gotten at this point. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm not an authority or anything on it. It's just like, I would rather see less of that and more science or like less of that, more musicians or artists or, you know, any of that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and I think, I think we're probably entering an age where it's going to be more and more taboo to memorialize and commemorate things because of what I was saying before. Like it's harder for people to come to a consensus on anything. Um, and so, you know, instead of trying to just be like, yeah, fucking Joe Smith the best guy. Let's make a monument of him. It would be, be easier because we have almost like do, do digitized memorials of him and Facebook and social media and shit, you know? Sure. Cool. All right. The final question is for myself. He says, Chase, do you feel like play, quote unquote, can be objective and viewed outside of the narrative? He asks, if my character walks over to a block and drags it to a wall and I play the character to jump onto the block and over a barrier, do you see that as equal play regardless of context? Is an assassin dragging a crate to jump over a target's fortress wall the same as a child dragging a toy chest to a, to jump over the wall of her crib, given all other things the same. How much does narrative and context mean with regards to play? It's a really fucking hard question, dude. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck, Max? Time to pull um, out the tome. Yeah, do it, man. Kill so, incest, Chase. first of all, I think narrative is a word that has gotten a little out of hand when we talk about things in video games. Like, I don't like. I, I think. I think there's plot. There's story. There's there's all of these other vocabulary devices that we can use besides narrative. That narrative is kind of like an umbrella for, right? Hmm. And the fact that narrative can mean the visual context in a video game, I would rather just say – I would rather speak to that as visual context in a video game and not like a narrative, right? Like just because a, a, a child is walking over a crib – doesn't necessarily mean it's telling you a story. Like you can kind of infer a story and make your own, but I don't know if narrative is the right word there. And that's not really even addressing this question. It's just something that I've been thinking about lately. It's more of an incomplete thought, really. Um, I don't know if it is objectively the same in those two situations. He's asking if everything else is equal, is jumping over a block as a child in a crib the same as jumping over a block as an assassin and a tar- in, into a fortress? I would actually tend to, and I don't think I would have answered it this way even three months ago, but now I would be more, I would be more apprehensive to say that it is the same. I think that that context is important because I think it affects the way a player is approaching a given game and and the feeling that they get from that play experience, right? And I think that's ultimately like the only thing you can really go off of when it, when it comes to like describing play, like I'm still in the nitty gritty 
trying to figure out like what the aesthetics, like what the formal qualities of play are. Like I have, a, I have an understanding of what a definition of play is um, that I've recently learned. But as far as like figuring out in the same way that paintings use composition and color and line and proportion, and that's the language of painting, I don't know what the traits are for a play experience yet. But I will say that context means a lot. And when I was playing Zelda, this is when it really stuck out to me. And this is when I really had to consider the powerful nature of like the environment that I was in and the context of, of what the, of what the world I was in is because when I was in, when I was in Zelda, sometimes I would just walk around a village slowly like i'm not running i'm walking so that link's animation is like more of an idle walk and it's because like the feeling of being link and being in hyrule was making me play the game differently right yeah. and in any other third person action game i could have if i didn't really care about where i was or who i was i maybe was if it was just dark souls i'd probably just be walking through to the next area as quickly as i could right mm -hmm. but there was something about the character that I was playing and the art direction, the fact that I was drawn into it, that literally made me play the game differently. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just human beings in general, it doesn't matter what you do, no matter what you're given, you are going to try to frame something in a way that you understand and narrative and like, and, and a sequence of events is pretty much how we do it. And Max, you actually brought this up a couple episodes ago about how humans view time in a very linear sense. And that's probably where we get this constant, excuse me, need to do such a thing. And I, I tend to agree with that assumption. Um, like I was talking to uh, Max Kelleher recently about Galaga. And I said, I don't think the context of the ships on the screen versus whether or not like your, if everything was just blocks and circles rather than like a spaceship and bugs, I think the play experience would be the exact same. Um, and I think, I think in a situation where a game is as simple as that, it would be. I don't think it matters what the icon, like what the iconography is on the game. It just matters that you identify what the icons are, what they mean, and what you need to do, and it's going to give you the same play experience. Um, so I guess maybe in that case, I'm kind of convincing myself that it would be the same, uh, the two people doing it. But if it was a part of like a larger game, like a, if there was more, it yeah. It, I mean, it ultimately depends on the context that you're talking about. Like, what is what is the depth of the context? How, how context big of the context? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like how, how grand is the world that you're in? Like at what point in time in the game are you? And is you jumping over this block, something you are just doing to move forward? Or is there something more meaningful about that block because of what you've seen earlier? I, I would basically what I think what I would come down on is in certain cases, when it comes to like a, a simple Galaga, um, just, gameplay driven play experience I don't think it would matter but when you're talking about a world that's more engrossing and it's meant to draw you in um, with like the example of Zelda I think it does matter I think it does change what play is even though you're doing the same thing yeah yeah no like Honestly, I was going to try to cut you off at a lot of those points to like ask a question, but you ended up just like answering them later down the road anyway, because it's like, where is the line from? You can take a super simple game like Asteroids or like Galaga, where the idea is a limit, like, you're right, like take all these ships, they move around, turn them into circles, just blow them up and get them off the screen. That's the only, that's really the idea of the game is to like 
use your triangle to make these circles go away by shooting these rectangles at it. You know, and so it doesn't really matter that they're ships or that they're aliens. And then as you get into like games forward in time, you can't take a game like Zelda and make everything all white and make everything into boxes and circles and have the same gameplay experience. Right. But see, that's the thing is like you might be able to because like when games are created for the first time and they're being designed, everything is in what they call gray box. Like you can look at videos of even the game Splatoon where all the characters are literally gray blocks moving around on the screen and they're just developing the mechanics and the feel. And in that capacity, I think the play experience would be the same regardless if it was like it it sucks because I think – is that What's play? That? Is that just the play? That's the only thing. That's what play is. Is just the movement in that world. It's just controlling that and like, like that's the what play is. And outputs? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I I think there's a. I think that is the largest part of it. Um, you know, like take it, take it. Look, look at it this way, right? You you mentioned Asteroids is actually a really good example because Asteroids is actually a very abstract game. The in fact, I think the only way that you would know that you are a ship shooting asteroids is if you looked at the side of the arcade machine <laughs> yeah. that had. That had that, and people have actually used that example in papers and said, "Look, this is the co- like this is the narrative of this game. This is the context of this game because it allows people to make sense of the symbols in a more in like in a quicker fashion." But I don't agree with that. Like, I still think a player who walked up to that machine with or without the sticker on the side would figure it out in just the same sense and get the same experience. And then I think if you were, and in fact, it's been. One of my ideas to like literally make a game that's as video gaming as possible, where like there's no localized text, it's it's essentially as raw as it gets, and I think you could still convey a powerful play experience. I just have to, I just, I just have to give some sort of credence to the power that Zelda had over me and making me play different simply because of what I was seeing, you know. So yeah, no, I yeah. I would agree with you. I mean, I I I I think that you know if you have certain inputs that give you certain outputs, if you strip all of the context out of it, there's not necessarily going to be an impact on the way that you function and play the game to get whatever the goal is in mind. But I think that that sort of detracts the notion that humans interact with the context of the game which makes them play differently like like i feel like like you talking about zelda is a perfect example or like like i feel like if if uh if you talk if you look at something that's like really high graphics like the witcher or something like i probably wouldn't like playing the game and play wouldn't be fun for me if it wasn't a fucking kick-ass world that i was in you know and so right. like that's what inundates me and allows me to go forward in playing and getting better and doing it the way I'm doing it, mostly because I am intrinsically like allowing myself to be a part of the context of that experience. So And that's the thing, is like a part of that a part of viewing that world is actually like feedback. It, it's player feedback, right? Yeah. It's like the reason why you're doing this is because of how cool it makes you feel or because you want to see new cool areas and monsters and stuff right yeah and so it's it's almost hard to separate that like this part's the game this part's not because it's all working together right like whenever i kill you know the same enemy i've killed 15 times in zelda but this time it was in like the context of a dungeon and at the end of it i got a special sword 
the play experience was the exact same, but now the reward is so much more meaningful or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of layers to it for sure. Yeah. Cause does that mean that the play experience was the same? Is the play so mutually exclusive from all these other aspects of the game? Like a fighting game. Like what if I reduced my favorite fighting game down to the hitboxes? Like, is that taking away all that other stuff to argue that like the play is the same? I just don't think that that's true. Like I play Ed because I like I feel cool playing as Ed <laughs> because he's a fucking gimmicky fucking hard ass character. I think he kind of reminds you of JoJo or something. Yeah, or, honestly, bit, right? exactly, perfect, right? <laughs> so he plays like he looks like a JoJo's character, you know. And then all these other parts, I just I contribute all of that to me playing Ed in fighting games. But I also contribute his medium punch into medium kick, which you could easily hit down into hitboxes as being a reason why I play him, hmm. you know. Okay. So yeah. I'm just throwing that out there too. I don't yeah. know, but thanks, was, Max. Yeah, those were all pretty heavy. That was a lot of uh, loaded great. questions there. He really helped me out because listeners, I failed my homework assignment this week and I didn't bring anything. So. Oh, well. <laughs> I think that's totally okay because I think that uh, we would have ran a little bit long. I think it's okay to cut it off right now. Let's all chew on all these incredible questions. Everybody think about. You know, who you idolize in the world, yeah. what is playing in a game, and would you give your kid a cochlear implant? Yeah. And then we'll come back and we'll all just uh, chew on that a little bit more. Nom, 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 beep, boop, beep, boop. If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. Be-doop, beep-boop. We are back with a halftime at Woody Banter. My brain still kind of coming down from that muscle pump from uh, Max Keller from earlier. It's been swollen yeah. a little bit, but it's it's shrinking back up to where it rightfully should be in its small, dainty state. Uh, but we are <laughs> going to go ahead and do... <laughs> thanks for laughing at that. Uh, we are going to go ahead and do a halftime on the beers that we're drinking here. So, in you know, Hunter, why don't you start us off? Okay, I don't want to say too much because I don't want like listeners to go back and be like, "Actually, you said this and this about this." Oh, yeah, if we actually bullshit. But I'm um, getting to think. I'm, I'm thinking that you guys don't actually know how to rape beer. I definitely do get like the little sense of rye, which is weird because I don't really know specifically if I was going to try and de like describe it. I don't have a description for it, which is common to a lot of other shit uh, that I try and review from beer. I don't know how to describe it. But I do get rye. whatever the rye senses. What would you say, Chase? What is that? It's generally just like hot, like a heat in your throat. It's like like a rye whiskey is a very hot whiskey. It's like that's because of the rye. Is it like grainy kind of like it's like a grainy? Yeah, rye. Ice? Yeah, rye is a very grainy. I mean, it is a grain. So yeah, it's a. <laughs> so I get I get that. Um, it's hoppy, you know. It's and I think that for a nine point five, the alcohol actually sits pretty well. Like it's not like I've had other ones with higher al or with lower alcohol or similar that are like more of a punch of alcohol feel. Um, I like it. Um, 
I wouldn't, I'm not like blown away by it, but it's like a solid, I think I ended up getting it because my new like go-to move is just like find the best ratio of alcohol by volume and price. And so, and yeah. So the and easiest so way to get, get drunk. So you're going for um, 40 ounces every yeah, time. I'm pretty much just buying exclusively malt liquor. <laughs> yeah, so. that's what I fucking should do. Uh, but dude, real talk. <laughs> yeah, I know for real. But um, but as far as beers go, bang for your buck. This was a good one, and uh, and I'm and I'm digging the taste. Like it has, you know, it has some complexity, but it's also not like, you know, overwhelming or anything. So I'm digging it. Nice, nice. Uh, as far as the Shiner Homespun Cream Ale goes, yeah, give me the lowdown. Here we go. Let's hear it. It's not that bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Hey. Which puts it in first place so far. Does it surmise fucking or surmount uh, Bach, the Shiner Bach, the original? Uh, I mean, look, that's, you know, it's. I don't even really know how beer. you feel about that. that uh, Shiner Bach? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I like it as much as everybody else does. You main it for Shiner? I mean, when it comes to Shiner, you know. Yeah. But I would say a close second behind it would be this cream ale. Uh, it's nice, easy to drink. Uh, definitely has a very, like, casual beer taste to it in the fact that it is definitely very light and pretty thin but that being said it does actually provide you with the creamy velvety mouthfeel that it promised to deliver so it does actually kind of end on a nice little uh it's like the creaminess kind of gives it this almost inherent sweetness not necessarily that there's sweetness to it like it's not like a sugary sweet there's just something very pleasant at the very end but it's nice easy to drink i like it so far 5% 5% alcohol by volume. Definitely beats out the coffee. Yeah. Definitely beats out the IPA. Okay. Nice. Good. Chase, what are you thinking? Dude, the Arrogant Bastard Ale is fucking great, man. Yeah. It's very complex. You know, it's a big beer. I think I said the ABV was 7.2%. And good. it's got, so it's very hoppy, right? And it's a very like citrusy hop characteristic. But the beer itself is very roasty, like very toasted malt, caramel, uh, even like dark fruit in there and like a sort of like a coppery taste to it. And it's just such like a it's a very interesting balance between those two things. Like you can feel the weight of that ABV in there, but it uh, that's like kind of what hits you first. And then it immediately goes away and you're left with like a lot of flavor that lasts in your palate for a while that kind of just sits there and lets you uh, enjoy. So this beer is awesome, man. It's, and I think it's, it's very obvious drinking it now, why it's been such a popular mainstay for years and years in craft beer aisles, you know? Yeah. yeah you see it everywhere. It's like a cult know? classic kind of yeah. where it's like, it's like with people that are, that even don't really know a whole lot about beers. Like they know about their arrogant bastard ale for sure. Yeah. They can still yeah. fucks with that. All right, guys. Uh, not only can you fuck with the arrogant bastard ale, but you can probably fuck with today's game too, as well. Or futz I think with it's it. gonna, yeah, or futz. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not gonna be futzing around with this game. Yeah, Chase is still pretty bitter about that. You can see. I, it on I'm his just face gonna rub it in there. as much as I yeah. can. But Chase, this is your this is your time to take it on back because it has a little bit of a similar structure. But today. We're going to kind of revisit an old game that I don't think I ever call or gave a name to. So I'm just going to call it right now. Have you ever seen whatchamacallit? And this game is essentially going to be based around movies. Now, last time I brought this game up, 
the game was based on the fact that what movies were called overseas. So they had really funny translations of the names or just things that maybe adhered more to the culture of that certain country. This one is actually going to be about movies that were almost named something different before their name was changed right at the very end prior to release. Mm. Okay, so what I'm going to do here is I have a list of 10 movies here. And within these 10 little descriptions, it's going to be just that, a description Slightly, not anything that's going to give it away. Just okay. a few little hints. Maybe the year it came out. Just a funny little, little sentence about the movie that is going to give you a little bit of a hint towards what the movie was, as well as the name that it almost received prior to release. Okay. Now, in the way that I'm going to uh, structure this game, like I said, I have 10 here. Okay. And what's going to happen is that Hunter, the reigning champ, <laughs> okay, you are going to go ahead and pick a number one through 10. And then we're going to go ahead and start whittling them down all the way to the very end. And the way I'm we're sure going to do it. there's 10 this time, right? I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. I double checked check. before I got here. I counted them all. There are 10. I think sure. I won this game last time, too. I won the uh, with wild speed. Dude, that was yeah, incredible. That was, that was incredible. I still think about that. Amazing. <laughs> I got to hope for that same luck, man. I hope you can still deliver. Uh, so you're going to go ahead and pick one, and we're going to go kind of Jeopardy style, all right? As I'm reading it, if one of you guys can figure out what it is before the other one, go ahead and shout out your answer. But once you shout out an answer and you're wrong, the other person has all the time in the world to give their answers while you okay. trade off. I like that. Makes sense? Everybody understand the rules? Yep, I think so. Can I get a... Yep. Let's do it. Let's do it. Coolio. Go ahead and pick us a number here, Hunter. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ten. Number ten. Oh, I'm sorry. There's only nine. No, I'm just kidding. All right, absolutely <laughs> ten. Hate you. All right. Here's your little description. Another series that spawned a myriad of sequels and a now famous horror antagonist, this iconic franchise was originally written with the name The Babysitter Murderers. But at the request of the producer, the crew changed the name of the film and the date of the occurrences within the script to fit a more profitable release date. Can I go? Yeah, you yeah, can just throw them out. Yeah. Oh, Friday 13th. Ant, that is incorrect. Oh, fuck that. The Babysitter Murderers? Oh, Babysitter Murders. And what was Can I go again? Well, can I? No, <laughs> no I get all the cannot. time. Uh, can I hear the last after the Babysitter Murders, what you, what you finished uh, that with? But at the request, it's the Babysitter Murders. Murders. Not the murderers. Not the okay. Babysitter Murders. Not okay. like a bunch of murdering babysitters. Okay, okay. You're murdering the babysitters. Uh, but at the request of the producer, the crew changed the name of the film and the date of the occurrences within the script to fit a more prof- profitable release date. Damn, I don't really know. I mean, that was a pretty good one. I'll give I'll you a five-second rundown unless you can... I'll say so. Jason. I mean, that's Friday Halloween. the 13th. Halloween is correct. Damn. Okay. Good job, Chase. He yeah, takes Jason the first point. Jason was school counselors. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Chase, give me another number, one through nine. Six. All right. Given the homage that uh, Quentin Tarantino employs in most of his work, the original name of this violent classic was Black Mask, based off of a 1920s magazine that Tarantino used as inspiration for his Oscar-winning script. Django and Fiction. Chase is right. Pulp Fuck. Fiction is the name. <laughs> Black Mask? Yeah, Black Mask, which it like, it doesn't really understand. go into exactly what it is, but Chase, do you know? The real hint was the magazine, because the magazine was pulp, like, oh, is, yeah. is a Pulp Fiction magazine. Yeah. So. Nice, nice. Chase with the knowledge. Oh, Chase, okay. why don't Damn. you give me a number one through five or seven through nine? Um, eight. All right. 
Again, spawning one of the more iconic figures in horror movie history, this long-running movie franchise almost went with the name A Long, a long Night at Camp Blood. Friday 13th. Before, before opting to go with a simpler title that played on people's superstitions, Hunter is correct. It is yes. Friday the 13th with the sweep. All right, Hunter, give me another number here. One through five, seven, or nine. Let's just go with nine. Despite being set on the original idea of the glob, this, the minimalistic producers of this 70-year-old classic were forced to change the title due to a children's book of the same name. The Blob? Nice. Oh, instead of the yeah. glob? <laughs> yes, nice. Oh, Originally, fuck. it was going to be the glob. I don't know why. It was like a flubber. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> nice. Hey. Very good, Chase. I will say that I dropped that one on my girlfriend today, and she could not get it for some reason, and it was really funny. So All right. it's three to one, Chase. Three to one, Chase. All right. Go ahead and pick us another number here. I got one through five or seven. One. All right. Given its premise and self-aware theme, this movie was aptly named Scary Movie. However, the name was changed as the producers felt that it would focus too much on the humor aspect of the film and not enough on the horror in this classic 1996 dark comedy horror flick. Dude, I know. God damn it. A movie that was originally titled Scary Movie, but they thought it would have focused too much on the comedy side if they would have done this. Mm -hmm. But it's actually got a horror side to it. I don't know, man. I know what you did last summer? That is incorrect. That's a good guess. That is a good guess. Pet Cemetery. Also incorrect. Also a good guess, though. I'll give you both one more guess. If you want them. 1996. See, I like. I know what it's referring to. I don't know the name. Right uh, <laughs> it's pretty iconic. Scream. Scream is correct. Hunter, uh, getting in there. All yeah, right, let's like, do it. I know it. Because, but there is scary. There is a a humorous scary movie movie. So yeah, I know. That's right. Right. That's fine. So I got five more left. Plenty of room to make up that uh, deficit here, Hunter. Three to two. Yeah. Go ahead and give me two through. Five or seven? Four. It's really making it hard for me to keep track of this. I know. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck you. You guys make it hard for me to edit your beef, so. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's true>. Despite being made 20 years later, this modern horror classic decided against the name Static out of fear of it being too closely related with the icon or associated with the iconic scene from the Poltergeist in 1982 and instead decided to... White noise. And instead decided to not stray too far from its original Japanese title. You got it right? He did White not noise. get it right. White noise is not correct. White noise. What, dude? Oh, fuck. <laughs> static? Static was the original name. And it's not white noise. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is perfect. Um, from its original Japanese title? Yes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, Chase knows it for sure. You do, don't you? You got 10 seconds here. Oh. Uh. Fuck. I don't know. The Grudge. I don't know. Fuck. The Ring. The Ring is correct. The Grudge is so fucking close, given just the fact <laughs> that it's a But The Ring is correct, which means, Chase, you now have four points. Okay? Give me number seven. Thank you for clearing this up for me. Four to two. In order to hide the identity of the much-anticipated third film, 
The director behind this legendary sci-fi series went to great lengths to prevent the leaks by, to prevent leaks by disguising his film in all written forms as a horror movie called Blue Harvest, even creating a tagline called Horror Beyond Imagination. Wait. Is that confusing? Oh, good again. Yeah, sorry. It's probably a mouthful here. In order to hide the identity of his much anticipated third film in the series, I already know who the director behind this legendary sci fi series went to great lengths to prevent leaks by disguising his film in all written forms as a horror movie called Blue Harvest, even creating the tagline Horror Beyond Imagination. Is it The Village? It is not. Uh, the third film in a series. Oh, I think I might actually know what it is. I think I know what it is. Chase? We have to guess the specific title of the third movie? I mean, if you give me the series, I'll give you that too. Is it Alien? That is incorrect. Jeepers Creepers. It is not Jeepers Creepers either. He disguised this movie as a, as horror, a horror movie, movie? called Blue Harvest. However, it is a sci-fi movie. It's not Children of the Corn. No, that's actually a fucking real movie. It's a sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah, not one of those fake movies. <laughs> <laughs> but it's up for grabs. We can guess whenever we want, right? Uh, yeah, well, hold on. Well, you've if, gone yeah, twice I was going to say, you've gone twice. It's Chase's turn to go. And he's got Blue 10 seconds. Harvest. Do we have a year this came out? Uh, I couldn't give you specifically, but it was the 80s. The third Five movie seconds. to chain in the 80s. I don't know, man. Eh. Anybody got any more guesses before we go on air? Blue Harvest sci-fi just covered up as a horror. Uh. You guys ready for it? It's actually going to be Return of the Jedi. It's the third Damn. film sci-fi film. Oh, Blue Harvest. Blue Harvest? I thought okay. that would give it away for sure. See, that sucks because I don't know shit about Star Wars. Yeah, you know, it wasn't the question for you, but that's okay. Because nobody went up any points. What is it? Still four to three? I guess that's true. It's four to two. Four, four to, to two. two. Sorry about that. All right. Which means you only have three more here to okay, get your man, I gotta close up. out, man. Give me two through four here. I believe. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, two. I think you have two through five left. Yeah. Or maybe. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> oh, you have two, three, and five. Sorry. Okay. Two. Are you going with two? It's hard to believe that a movie called Pacific Air Flight One Two One could have gotten as much buzzworthy attention had it not changed its name to a more blunt and straightforward description of its preposterously cold-blooded plot. Snakes on a plane. Nice. Yeah, that was too easy. Was it? Then why didn't you shoot it up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck. I forget I can, you can okay. do whatever you want, man. All right. <laughs> Give me uh, what do you want? Three or five? It's him now. No, you get to choose because you... Because I'm down? No, because you got the last one right. Oh, okay. I thought we were switching back and forth. Nope. Um, so three or five? Mm-hmm. Five. This coming-of-age tale from 1986 about four adventurous boys was almost named The Body. But the producers oh decided God. to take Stand by me. Focus. Stand by me. <gasps> and chase with the I don't even know what that is. It. You don't know what Stand By Me is? No. It's a classic, dude. Yeah, dude. It's a classic film. You've never seen Stand By Me? Four boys go off to find a dead body. Uh, do you have like a fat Never kid in it? Yes. Is it, yep. it sounds kid. like what Stranger Things was kind of based off of, yeah. right? Fat kid that ended up growing into like a really hunky dude. Yeah, a real hot guy. Yeah, he's a real hot dude. Think of a, like think of a super hot guy. 
That's what he looks like. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> I'm glad that was what y'all used to describe. All right. That well, I guess means... I can't win, but I can salvage. Here's the victory lap. Some yeah, victory lap here, here, guys. All right, so this horror. You can double it up if you want, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Increase your lead or almost not lose as bad. This horror movie classic from 1988 almost went with the appropriate name, Batteries Not Included. However, the producers were forced to change the name due to a cheesy Steven Spielberg alien movie that had been produced just a few years earlier. However, the name change was probably for the best, as the success of the film led to five sequels for this newly iconic horror franchise. Chucky? Chucky is correct. Damn, nice. Nice. Man, there we go. Well, I'll take it. It was a, it was a nice little yeah, consolation. Not bad there, yeah. Gotcha. So that means Chase gets it with a five and four. Not bad, Chase. Now the new reigning games champ. Congratulations. Uh, but as we all let that set in, let's go ahead and swing on over to the mail corner here. All right, we got Dunter's mail corner as per usual. It's Dunter's mail has a question for us it says what's the longest you've ever waited in line for anything oh my god till next time you pickled peasants dunter big fan of the gentle booty horset i mean the longest i've ever stood in line has got to have been with chase i think me too of course yeah so let's just go what's (laughs) the longest you've been in line and let me see if i was there or not yeah okay i think um so i've just a little bit about me. I'll stand in line for fucking anything. Yeah. Long time. Like I, I can just brute force patience my way through that shit. I've had some, some of the longer lines I've stood in. Like if you want to count like waiting at stages, like Radiohead yep. was an eight, was an eight hour day. Yep. Um, the Jack White concert hunter that you and I went to, I think it was like a six to eight hour day as well. Yep. I did a 10 hour wait for the Jack White concert that I went to in London. Mm. Um, and I've done like four or five hour waits for roller coasters before, which I would never do again. That's the one thing I'll drop. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I think the longest I've waited in line for anything was for a White Stripes album on Record Store Day a couple years ago. There was go- So on Record Store Day, there's like all of these like basically collector's item records get printed and there's limited qual- quantity, and you go and you stand in line at record stores and try to get one. And my favorite White Stripes album is called Get Behind Me, Satan. And there's yep. no um, records. Like, there's a few records out there of it, and they're like six to $800 on eBay because they're so rare. And this one particular year, he was going to repress um, records for that album and sell them on Record Store Day. And there was three at the store that was next to my house. And I got in line at like, I think 10 o'clock at night and waited overnight until the store opened. And I was the second person in line and I got the second to last one, uh, the second to last album of that record. And I have that record now. I think, I think that is actually the longest I've stood in line for everything. It was overnight. So dang overnight. That's pretty Dude. good. Yeah. I haven't done it overnight. Yeah. I haven't gotten anywhere close, but the longest I've ever stood in line was when we waited for uh, tenacious D. Yeah. That was also a very, that, I think that was about an eight hour wait yeah. as well. We chilled, but it was all worth it for when we took that final pick of us <laughs> about to go in and the line literally went over the horizon line. It was <laughs> <Yes>. insane. <laughs> It was so, and we were up there. It was just us. We were the third and fourth people in because there were two or three more people in front of us who were there at the beginning 
who were just there kicking it with us for so long. But we had been there all fucking day, and it was totally worth it. Do you still have the pick that you got from that of concert? Of course, I still have okay. the pick, Chase. Do not. Is ask it framed me that yet? Again. Like, what's yeah, the I should. Deal? Do not. I leave it in a box, again. which could easily be stolen. I need to get it into a safe, or you know, you know, at least chipped, so I can find it if somebody tries to steal it. That's but, pretty yeah, awesome. I still have it. What about you, man? Yeah, I think Chase was there for all of my my biggest weights. So I think third place comes to... I, I'm usually dragging people to these things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think third place comes to um, when I stayed in line for Franklin's. That was like a nice five-hour wait. Um, Franklin's? Yeah. Franklin's Barbecue in Austin. Um, you have to get there at like seven and wait until like noon or one to get to eat finally. That's insane. Totally, it like it's 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 one of those like I ran with the bulls kind of deals, you know. Like you don't want to do it again necessarily, but you did <laughs> was it wasn't really worth it. You did it, and then you can say you did it, and then everyone, you know, you can be like, you haven't gone to Franklin's, and yeah, I can do that. That was number three. <laughs> Thing number two was, um, yeah, the Jack White concert. That was um, that was probably the thing that I stood in line. No, I was more excited about that than Franklin's. I was more psyched about my eight-hour, ten-hour, however fucking long that we waited for Radiohead. Um, I did a similar stint, but it wasn't like quite as dedicated. Um, the first time I saw Radiohead at ACL, um, that was probably like you know five or six hours that I was I was willing to to stick around for that because there was like I think three other concerts that went on and stuff too. So. Um, but yeah, the, the Radiohead one was the longest and it was kind of brutal cause it was like super fucking hot and, oh, yeah. um, direct sunlight the entire time. And like I was getting sick through ACL cause there's just so much fucking dust, especially near the front of the stage. Um, so yeah, uh, that was the longest one I had. Yeah, man. Those are all pretty good. It was worth it. And just special shout out, whenever you're going around in a festival and you see people wearing bandanas over their face, they're not just trying to be cool. That's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I will definitely be doing that next festival I go to. <laughs> I learned that as well. Uh, but I think <laughs> That's it's, all the questions we have. Yeah, I think it's always kind of worth it to, to wait in line for a concert like that because <laughs> it's like you, when, you, when you're like, okay, I'm going to go to a concert on Saturday, like your whole day is dedicated to that concert. It's not like, yep. yeah, I got to go to a concert later tonight. It's like, no, no, no. I wake up and I think whatever I'm going to be doing in that concert later. Yeah. So you might as well just be like fucking amping yourself up right in front of the theater to get the best standing room position you can. I was curious because like I remember that there were lines for... Like, sometimes people will go in lines for, like, food, food, like, oh, if you're in line all day at Chick-fil-A, you'll get Chick-fil-A for a year. Or, or that, or, like, uh, even video games, too. Like, uh, oh, the fucking new, the new release is coming out at midnight, and so I'm going to fucking stand in line. Or a movie. I think. Uh, I didn't know if any of those were, were you know, several hours for y'all. video games I've done midnight are releases for sure. Video games are different because you know you're going to be able to enjoy it for a long yeah. time. Well, it's also like you wait there until 12 and then you just get your shit and go. You know what I mean? It's not like you're getting better positioning from being there at like however yeah. early you are. You know what I mean? Like, But it, you could get worse positioning where you don't get the game. Like that is true. You do game. gamble a lot. If you show up at like 11 like some scrub, then yeah, you might. <laughs> you had it coming. All right. But if you get there like 9... Should be getting that game. None of y'all planning on doing any Black Friday? <laughs> Wait, why, dude? It's two thousand seven. Cyber, yeah, Cyber Day, guys. That's the day to do it. <laughs> oh man, uh, but great question. Thank you, Dunter. Um, anything else you guys want to? Does everybody give a stamp on their beers? 
I think everybody liked their beers today. I almost like want us to just like give a thumbs up or yeah, thumbs, thumbs down, down at the thumbs end up, of it. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I get a, th- a thumbs up. It's not like incredible thumbs up. It's not reaching the stars. It's at waist level. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's you a, lifted up your nice forearm. solid like chest level. Fucking yeah. <laughs> give them one eye. Describe that thumbs, thumbs up. up. Uh, yeah, I also actually give this one a thumbs up too. This is this is the shiner to beat out of the shiner family right now. Okay, so. beyond Bach. Oh, beyond look. the Bach. It's a different <laughs> beer than Bach. All right, I can't say that it's more. I give them both the same thumbs up with both of my hands. Okay. <laughs> All right, Chase, thumbs up, thumbs down. Arrogant Bastard Two suck. thumbs up over here. Nice. He's got double thumbs. Kind of what I figured, right? So on half of uh, everybody here, I will say, if you want to go and listen to any of our other bullshitting, you can always go to wittybantershow.com, full catalog of all of our episodes, as well as some beautiful pictures and other kind of stuff you can check out there. You can even go to our Twitter, at wittybantershow, and follow us, because we're always tweeting the episodes <laughs> pretty much also yeah every We're now and again we can do some yeah getting after that you know, tweet yeah if you like what we talk about we probably tweet about it uh if you like what just i talk about you can always just follow me and just you know cut the fat uh <laughs> follow me at probably max or if you like what chase talks about for some reason you can also follow chase at bodacious chase yeah, yeah of course uh without further ado Thumbs up all around, high fives all around, and some chewy segments too as well. Let's go ahead and head on out of here, boys. A bit of pepper. Pepper, pepper, pepper.